The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor. I'm the father of twin boys, and I am excited for our annual cycling podcast with Justin Dugan and Justin Smith. Welcome back, dudes. Hey, good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks, George. So I am, I am psyched about this. I was, I was trying to think, is this the third year that we've done this? Uh, yeah, I think so. 
I feel this, like this is third year. This yes. is third year. I feel like three times makes something a tradition. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, it, it's at a tr- this point, at this point, we can say our third annual cycling podcast, most pleasant exhaustion spike cycling podcast with Justin and Justin, right? Very good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Very cool. Very good. Justin Dugan, what you been up to for the last year, man? Um, lots of things. I did some racing. Um Towards the uh, end of last year into the fall. Um, Didn't you do a 70.3 world championship? I did. I did uh, the race out in Utah and that was a fantastic experience. And then did another 70.3 a couple of weeks after. And then kind of just enjoyed, um, you know, riding into the the winter pretty easily. And then uh, I did a race with you um, in the winter at Red Top Mountain and have just been kind of doing some, some running and um i think i did yeah i did a 70.3 last month like it it seems like it was so long ago but uh, i did um gulf coast uh in panama city last month so i've been doing a little bit and nursing a foot injury so you know i I feel like it's always a new season every time i get to start running or training again very cool very cool what's on the docket for the remainder of 2022 what are the big targets here um, I am looking forward to doing a marathon in the fall, which oh, cool. is yet to be nice. uh, determined and uh, finalized. And I'd like to do another 70.3 in the fall as well. So, um, you know, a cool. cu- couple of big, uh, big carrots at the end of the stick out there. Awesome. Very good. Very good. We look forward to hearing what marathon you decide to do. You trying to look for one like in October, November around that time? Um, yeah, right. Uh, right. You know, pretty much between the two, right at the end of October, there's one I've got my eyes on. All right. Very cool. Okay. Very cool. I will look forward to hearing all about that. And you've been doing a lot of push assist too, right? I'm uh, I'm push assisting even at the peach tree this coming weekend. I was going to so ask. Very I'm, good. I'll be doing that. Yeah. I, uh, I love uh, getting behind the chair and racing with people uh, with the peas foundation. So, um, you know, this year is the first year they have a open category in the peach tree. <laughs> Usually it's just a competitive group that goes off before the pros uh, this year we get to mix it up, uh, with the general public. So, uh, oh, cool. ma- making some big moves and, uh, you know, fighting to be there. So this is a, a big year at the peach tree. So I didn't realize that that's very cool. I didn't realize you were going to yeah. be racing essentially in the open race. So yeah. good news, yeah. man. Is it Justin Knight you're going to be racing with? Uh, I'm not racing with Justin. Uh, sadly, my buddy who I usually race with, uh, right. I'm, I'm running with a, uh, a young lady named Sherry this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we are in the non-competitive division, which is, mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet that uh, we get to have that, you know, yeah. there are some, there are some fast guys and they'll get to tear up the streets up front. And then uh, I get to mix it up with all of the, the regular people, which is, which is going to be great. Have fun running up and, and helping Sherry make it up heartbreak Hill there. Having done that in 2017, it's tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> Last year I pushed in, uh, in the competitive division and I actually ran my fastest 10 K ever in the peach tree. And, uh, I ran up uh, heartbreak Hill as fast as I could. And the second I passed the last person, I stopped and walked and caught my breath a little bit. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Um, last year at the Peachtree Road Race, I started with Justin Smith. So you did. They, they, they spread it out over two days last year, and they put it on July 3rd and July 4th last year. Um, and both Justin Smith and I opted for July 3rd. And so we 
ran the streets of the Peachtree Road Race there. They shut down with hardly anybody there. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I think we got the cooler of the days. No, I for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually opted for that because I was like, this is sort of like a novelty. You never get to run the Peachtree on the third. <laughs> right. Um, and so, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it, but I'll be doing it with the masses this year, um, yeah. just uh, on the fourth, because they're only having one day this year. Um, so, Justin Smith, then, what you've been doing since I last saw you on July 4th and since we last had this podcast last year? Uh, well, I've been chasing some marathon PRs. Uh, I had a, I had a pretty good coach last year, um, help me out, uh, navigating Boston and then CIM, Mm -hmm. uh, did a PR in CIM. So, uh, now I'm stupidly signed up for a October marathon (laughs) and regretting it right now. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm working on right now. Getting ready for uh, Chicago and awesome. and I guess cool. getting through Peachtree next week. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Now I feel you on the October marathon thing. My London is the marathon I'm getting ready for. And it's, of course, the yeah. week before Chicago. So there you go. Long right. runs in yeah. the summertime. Yeah. Yeehaw. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I texted you the other day and asked you to remind me why I picked uh, Chicago to run. <laughs> Chicago is a great race. You'll enjoy it. It'll be worth it once you get there. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. The, the summer long runs are, are, are not a joy. Not a joy. Yeah. So. And, and I think if I can run what I want to run in Chicago, I'll be getting ready for another early fall marathon next year i think you you're doing it as well possibly berlin so indeed oh, so i'm cool. doing tokyo and berlin next year both of which were deferred from 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so but no dude that'd be great to have you in berlin next year that'd be super fun yeah My, you're getting old so <laughs> <laughs> you know i was thinking uh Speaking of like this being our third year and it becoming a tradition and that sort of thing, it's almost become a, t- a tradition that Justin Smith downplays all of his predictions and his preparedness <laughs> for the podcast and that sort of thing. And I think it's worth pointing out that last year, Justin Smith, you said much to our dismay that you, that, that you figured that Mark Cavendish was going to win five stages and was going to equal Eddie Merck's record. You might even say he was going to surpass the record. And, and we both scoffed and laughed and, and, and just said, Oh, that, that goofy little Justin Smith. And Dan, if you weren't right, man, I was right. <laughs> and that was the, I, story I, of the tour. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, unfortunately that's not going to happen this year. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was my, I should have just left after that one, after that prediction, <laughs> because that was like, I mean, I don't think I could top that one this year. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. One last thing we should definitely mention before we hop right in here talking about the tour is, uh, is Slayer X Badassiters. Are you a Badassiter again this year, Justin Dugan? I am. I actually just got a shipment in the mail from Slayer X today and they helped fuel my bike ride this evening. And, uh, it was uh, it was wonderful. Anytime I get a little bit of the six uh, X hydrate in my water bottles, I always feel like I can go a lot harder. Six X, you're a salty sweater. Oh, I, I am a depleter. I got one of those um, one of those tests that you got um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and I I sweat buckets, and it's full of uh, full of all the minerals that <laughs> that you know my body needs. So. All right. 
Very good. Very good. Yeah. I, I found out that I sweat buckets, but it's not particularly salty. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so when I use the, the, the Slayer X, I use 4X, I use the, the sort of medium formula. <laughs> so very, I've good. seen you sweat. I'm surprised that you're just using the medium. Formula. Well, dude, I, it's, it's that the salt, the, the sweat is not salty, but it's definitely copious. I mean, so, yeah. so yeah, no, it's ridiculous. The amount that I sweat. Um, uh, and that hasn't changed for better or for worse. Um, um, all right, fellas, let me mention one thing that's a little bit different this year, something new, and I don't know if we're going to carry it forward in, in the, the many years to come here. Um, but uh, my podcast co-host, Michelle Frank, who both of you all, uh, both of you know as well, um, had all of these questions and she even considered like making an appearance on the podcast, ask questions. <laughs> and so throughout the course of the podcast tonight, um, we are going to be interspersing uh, questions from Michelle. Um, and so whenever they kind of come up, I'll be like, oh, that reminds me of a question from Michelle. And we'll kind of pop it in there and we will address that question. Um, and she wrote this first question. If someone doesn't really understand the sport, what's a good place to start following to better understand it? I would say right here at the Tour de France and especially exactly. on this podcast. Um, I was telling a friend today that I was going to be on your podcast talking about Tour de France. And he looked at me and kind of shrugged and was like, you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, who better than me to talk to regular laymen about cycling than me? I'm an enthusiast. I like bikes. I watch it and I can help explain to somebody what I'm watching, what I'm looking at and why I care. Uh, I agree I'm, more. So I am the right. perfect person to speak to people that are interested, don't know if they're interested. Um, my wife uh, doesn't ever really want to be interested. And I try and find <laughs> things to explain to her about, you know, so uh, this podcast and watching the tour, you're going to get perfect information for the entry level uh cycling fan or soon to be cycling fan i think for sure for sure yeah. justin smith what do you think i agree I, that's that's what i would say is the you know listening to this um <laughs> and uh and watching the tour I, honestly you know being in the united states there's very little coverage of uh cycling outside the tour and so you're gonna get everything you need to know by watching the tour. Uh, yeah. You don't necessarily need to watch every four hour stage that they play on, on uh, TV, but uh, like, you know, watching the, the high, the, the highlights of the stage and, you know, maybe catching, you know, the, some of the big stages, I think you're going to get everything you need to know. I'm, it's, it's, it's really the, the best way to learn cycling. I agree. I agree. You know, and, and three out of three people on this podcast agree that this podcast is a good place to start for sure. <laughs> um, but I'll also add that, that um, like Justin Smith just said, the, the Tour de France gets all of this attention and, and it gets a lot of attention in the United States and sometimes the only race that gets attention in the United States. But that's okay because it actually is the biggest and most prestigious race. It actually mm -hmm. gets the most attention in all the other countries as well. And so even mm -hmm. in countries like Belgium, where they're crazy about, you know, the classics and cycling in general and stuff like that, still the biggest event of the year is the Tour de France. Um, and I think also the cool thing about the Tour 
Um, and the cool thing about any stage race, but particularly about the Tour de France, is that there's always multiple storylines in terms of people competing for the varying jerseys and for the team competition. And and, um, and then, of course, you have a single winner of every single stage every single day. So you have that drama kind of playing itself out and that sort of thing. And so you can you can really appreciate the various uh, storylines, the different levels on which the, uh, the, the narratives play out. And that, that's what I think is so fascinating and interesting, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, very cool. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about the, the, the basics of the tour, where it starts, where it ends. Michelle said, explain the setup of the tour to France, where it starts, where it ends, how many riders per team, how do they choose who rides, which stages, all that sort of thing. Well, that last question says, how do they choose who rides, which stages? Well, every rider that's in the tour rides every single one of the stages, eight riders per team, roughly about 20 teams, not quite 20 teams. And so, so you're looking at about 160 or so riders that are on the course at any given time. Of course, there is a gigantic convoy that both precedes the tour de France and that follows follows the Tour de France, you have all the team cars behind them. Um, and this year, it doesn't start in France. <laughs> uh, this year, for the first time ever, it is starting in Copenhagen, Denmark. It's the 24th time that they've actually had uh, the Tour de France start in a foreign country. Um, this is the 109th edition of the Tour de France. Um, and because it's starting in Copenhagen, um, they're actually beginning it a day early. They're starting it on Friday, the 1st of July, which... We're recording this on Wednesday night. We like to wait until the last minute so we can be the last preview that anybody gets. Um, I'll put this out tomorrow, the day before the tour comes out, uh, before the tour starts. And then uh, they will begin with a time trial on stage one there in Copenhagen. Um, three rest days. They give one extra rest day to get to France from Denmark. Um, it's a total of 3,328 kilometers from start to finish if you add it all together. It's actually the shortest one they've had um, in about 20 years. Two individual time trials, including the first stage one, six so-called flat ones. Um, they call them flat, but one of them has cobbles in them, and a couple of them have kind of like mountaintop finishes and are sort of rolling and things like that, so they're not exactly sprints. Seven hilly ones, six mountain ones, including five summit finishes, meaning they'll actually finish at the top of a mountain there at the very end. And importantly, um, the first ever Tour de France films presented by Zwift. Um, on the last day of the men's Tour de France this year, when they're finishing in Paris, the women will be doing the first day of the Tour de France films, and then they will go on for an additional seven days. Um, and so unlike in the past, we actually get like a full month of Tour de France here. We get three weeks of men's racing, and we get additional weeks of women's racing there at the end, which is pretty cool. We're only going to be previewing the men's race today. Do y'all want to come back later on, like uh, as the tour is wrapping up and preview the women? Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that would be cool. I think that'd be a better way to do it. And in fact, most of the previews I've seen are doing exactly that. Um, um, and so, I mean, Copenhagen, they have 1.4 million people commute in, in Denmark on bikes every single day. Um, that's more than, than actually ride bikes in the United States. I read it one point. <laughs> um, and so I think it's about time they got there. What do y'all think about uh, starting in foreign countries? Justin Smith, what do you think about that? Tour de France starting in Denmark. I know the, the Giro does it a lot. Um, it's a little weird. Uh, you know, I think it's <laughs> for the core, it's a, it's, it's odd, but I know they've been doing it lately, maybe not as far away from, um, from France, but I, I like it because it gives them an opportunity to, for the tour to come to a, another country and, and just expand the fan base and get people interested in a sport that sometimes at least over here is not 
necessarily as popular obviously in europe it's it's huge but i like it i think though they should ditch the uh, extra rest day they should figure out a way to get rid of that third rest day because that is a that is a thing right because i mean they're gonna yeah. have three three stages actually in denmark and then just to get from denmark over to northern france they decided to take an extra rest day there and so they yeah. end up with three rest days rather than the traditional two rest days or what has become the traditional two rest days here um, yeah that lengthens the overall tour by a day um, but it also means that the riders get a little bit more rest for better or for worse it also means that come just come Monday, we're going to have to go without the tour for a day. So I'm not too excited about that. But yeah. um, Justin Dugan, what do you think? Um, I, I think I like it. It gives it gives the tour a little bit more national coverage by putting it in a different place. I mean, you can only go to the same little towns in France over and over and over and over again. Um, and much like all sports, it's money. I mean, I'm sure Denmark you know, wrote, wrote a nice check to get the tour over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that they're going to do a lot to, you know, help strengthen the culture of cycling in that country by, by having it there. I mean, it's, you know, if, if it's doable, uh, I think it's a great thing. And I, uh, I'm excited actually for one of the stages that's going to be happening there. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that the countries that it starts in get so excited about it and that's kind of part of what makes it so cool. You know, yeah. um, a few years ago when the, uh, when the tour started in England, I want to say that was like 10 years ago now. Um, uh, there were more people on the roads in, in great Britain to watch the tour than there were in France for the French, yeah. for the French stages. Yeah. Um, it was incredible. The number of people that actually turned out to watch those. Um, you mentioned the Giro, Justin Smith. It started in Budapest, Hungary this year. Um, right. It started in Israel a few years ago. Um, there was talk at one point about actually starting the Giro in Washington, D.C. Do you remember right. that? Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That would have been that would have been interesting. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, I think they would need that extra rest day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> rest day or two. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, very good. Very good. All right. So you just mentioned stage one, Justin Dugan, uh, stage one in Copenhagen, Denmark. It's a time trial. What do you think? Uh, I'm excited for it. I think that being that it's very short, that it gives the opportunity for somebody that may not likely get the yellow Jersey ever again in their life, uh, the opportunity to wear it. Um, I have a favorite who I think is going to win the second time trial of, mm -hmm. of the tour and mm -hmm. his new bike looks amazing. Uh, cause that was announced and, uh, they posted some pictures on social media today, um, of the new Enios time trial bike. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think, uh, the top Ghana is going to win the opening stage as much as I would like him to. I, uh, so you're a big fan of Filippo Ghana from Enios Grenadiers and you don't think he's going to win that opening 13 K time trial. I don't think so. I, I would love it if he does. I mean, prove me wrong, buddy. You're my favorite. Um, I would love it if he wins. Um, but I think he is such a better engine at a little bit longer of a time trial. I think it's mm -hmm. too short for him to put a huge gap on, on folks. Uh, I think the ugliest team in the tour is going to take this one um, with uh, Bessinger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from from EF Education. So we will be talking about kits later on in the podcast, and we will talk about that EF Education kit. But yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, Stefan Bissinger is able to get it. Yeah, it's only 13 kilometers. It's right there in downtown Copenhagen. It has 22 turns in that opening uh, 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 time trial. Um, there's a prize for whoever 
gets it. I mean, whoever wins that opening time trial gets the yellow jersey that day. Yeah. Um, and gets to spend at least a day during stage two wearing the leader's yellow jersey there. Um, what do you think? All right, we're gonna go ahead and talk about it now. <laughs> the that the heinous pink jersey with dragons on it that EF <laughs> Education First Easy Post has has released that is going to be there. Uh, their uniform for the or their kit for the the Tour de France. Every team when they get a yellow jersey or a green jersey or a polka dotted jersey or a a white jersey has like their own team version of that jersey. Do you think that the yellow jersey is going to have those little dragon guys on it? I don't think so. <laughs> I I think they're going to be. I think they're going to get the logo across the chest and that's about it. All right. I actually would like to see Stefan Bissinger win that opening time trial now solely for that reason <laughs> so they can mess they can just put a mess all over the yellow jersey. yeah just to see what yeah, happens yeah yeah just to see yeah. whether the the organizer of the tour de france because they're letting them in there with like little dragons on the jersey that literally have teeth on their helmet the um, bikes are all painted a mess to their yeah, yeah. and so it's, so it's the same company that did it's the same skateboard company that did their kits last year for mm -hmm. i believe it was the juro they didn't have the funky kits for um for the tour. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I honestly, I don't know why they have a special kit for the tour. It's not like they wear yellow, <laughs> you know, I don't get it. I, I was a big fan of hockey in the nineties and the early two thousands when teams had that third Jersey and mm -hmm. it was kind of fun and funky and they would wear them on Sundays. This is the tour de France. You're supposed to like look pretty good. You're supposed to represent your team. Well, and when you have little cartoon dragons uh, and teeth on your helmets, it's, kind of making a mockery of the, you know, the biggest event yeah. of the sport. But Justin Dugan, interesting take. What do you think, Justin Smith? Um, you know, I'm looking at it right now. I saw it earlier. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I just, I, I just can't take them serious ever as a team. Um, and that jersey is not doing any help. <laughs> well, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they justified it or they reasoned that the reason why they have dragons on the jersey is because they're celebrating the inclusion of women in the tour de france via the tour de france femmes for the first time i yeah, don't know that's what that that's that like dragons right <laughs> that's a stretch right there i mean i just i was like all right what does one have to do with the other i don't really understand <laughs> how we got from a to z there but all right you do your thing so but this is kind of their brand i think this is sort of what they yep. have, have established themselves they're, they kind of have these I mean, even their regular kit, like you just said, it's kind of a crazy camouflage pink looking kit. Um, and, uh, you know, last year they had Lachlan Morton who did the, the alt tour and kind of went off on his own. Yeah. Um, and, and now he's doing all these gravel races and stuff. And so I think that they have just kind of decided that, that they're, they're not going to try to win that. I mean, yeah, their brand is off brand, right? <laughs> I mean, they're just going to try and do, do what it is to, to bring attention to themselves and bring attention to their sponsors short of actually winning because winning is not something they tend to do a whole lot of. Yeah. Well, I mean, that being said, they've got to start doing some winning or they're going to be regulated down to pro Conti. They're going to get booted out of, out of, you know, the world tour teams. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They'll just get the invite next year. Then. <laughs> the world tour has adopted this, uh, this new sort of soccer style points process whereby you can be demoted or promoted at the various levels. Uh, and so they could lose their world tour status and get, not down to pro continental if they don't get enough points here over the course of the season we'll see the, the yeah. question about this jersey is is what did lance armstrong say about it 
what did Lance Armstrong say about it? You you, you listened to his podcast more than the other two. The, 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 the <laughs> I haven't heard anything yet, but I'm pretty sure he's probably not a fan. I, I am certain he's not a fan, if for no other reason, because the director sportif there is somebody who Lance Armstrong <laughs> he does never not... misses an opportunity to talk trash about. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I, I believe yeah. he has said that he would like to see them regulated for yeah. that fact alone. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, now we've been kind of, we, we jumped directly in there to talking about, about stage one. Um, and I just mentioned the yellow Jersey and all that sort of thing. Um, um, one of Michelle's questions was what do we need to know about the various jerseys worn throughout? What do they mean for the rider and for the team? Um, and so I just mentioned the yellow Jersey there. The yellow Jersey is the, the Jersey that the current leader of the tour wears. Um, and the current leader of the tour um, is the person who has the lowest combined time um, of every single stage from start to finish. And so once all 21st, 21 stages are done, they add up everybody's time and whoever had the lowest time, that person wins the last yellow jersey and is declared the winner of the race. But at any given time, you might have some people who have lower combined times than others. And, and so whoever happens to be wearing that at the start of the stage, who happens to be in the lead at the start of the stage is the person who gets to wear that yellow jersey. And so if Stefan Bissinger or Filippo Ghana or uh, Wout Van Aert or Stefan Kung or Matthew Vanderpoel or whoever ends up winning that opening time trial, um, whoever ends up actually getting that win will get to wear that yellow jersey um, because they will have the fastest time from the only stage so far. Mm -hmm. um, they might give it up at the end of stage two because they'll fall behind or, or lose time to somebody else. Um, or they might end up wearing it for just a little while. We'll end up seeing here. Um, the winner of that opening stage will also have the green jersey. Yep. Um, because you get points on the finish line and whoever has the most points at the end of the, uh, the, the competition uh, of 21 days ends up getting the final green jersey. And just like the yellow jersey, the person who wears the green jersey along the way is the person who's currently leading the points competition. Same thing with the polka dotted jersey. It's the king of the mountains jersey. Um, the, you get points at the tops of mountains and whoever is leading that competition throughout wears that jersey. And then they pass it over to uh, whoever might take the lead from them. And then the final leader of the mountains competition wins that jersey in, in Paris. And then you have the young rider competition. 26 years old or under or under 26 i guess it is 25 or yeah. under uh gets the uh the the, the white jersey there um the last two years the polka dotted jersey the white jersey and the yellow jersey have all been won by the same guy tade pogachar indeed uh won both of them last year the green jersey was won by mark cavendish as Justin Smith predicted, right. <laughs> somehow. That's absolutely right. <laughs> um, and uh, and the final photo in Paris was kind of ridiculous looking because it was Mark Cavendish wearing a green jersey, Tade Pogachar wearing a yellow jersey, and then two mannequins wearing the <laughs> the polka dot yeah. jersey and the white jersey. Since both of those went to Tade Pogachar as well, um, and two years ago it was the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. Two years ago it was a green jersey wearer, and then him with those three jerseys too so um i would say he's probably the odds on favorite to win at least two of those jerseys again but um we're getting ahead of ourselves um yeah all right. <laughs> um, um all right um we're kind of big stages go ahead go ahead justin smith i was gonna say bring back the combined jersey that yeah put together all your mountains points and all your sprint points and right and you get yeah. a combined jersey yeah um, I just no. think it looks like like you were saying it looks ridiculous because if there's anything that's confusing is that last day 
when every when they're all lined up wearing their jerseys and there's potentially somebody who's in second place wearing that jersey and they're getting their photo taken and yeah i feel bad for that person yeah no kidding yeah so so every by, by tour rules every single jersey has to be worn by somebody on the day and so even if Tade Pogachar is actually winning the white jersey competition, somebody has to wear the white jersey. And so last year, Jonas Vingegaard wore that jersey throughout the entire tour because he was in second place in that, ter- in that competition. Yep. <laughs> um, and like you said, they take photos of him. Like every picture he has hanging on his wall of that great Tour de France he has last year, he's wearing a jersey that he didn't actually win. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a reminder. Every single one of them is that, yeah, hey, look, he's in second place wearing a jersey that doesn't belong to him over and over and over. <laughs> um, all right, we'll talk about more about Jonas Vingegaard here in just a second. Um, all right, so we talked about stage one. Stage two, stage uh, we're not going to go through great. every single stage, but but what'd you say, Justin? Stage two is going to be great. That's the one I'm looking forward to first. All right, tell us why. Uh, there's, I, I believe it's an 18 kilometer bridge that they have to cross <laughs> yeah. right before the finish. Um, yeah. So yeah, if it's windy, that's going to make some fireworks, mm-hmm. um, you know, right at the end of, a, of, you know, an early stage, those guys don't really have their legs under them, uh, like they will in the middle of the tour. So, uh, if the wind's blowing, they may be discombobulated. They could be jockeying for position, you know, things, uh, that, you know, yellow Jersey could get shuffled around. For sure. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm hoping it's like a clean stage. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like I, I would love to see, I mean, 18 out of the 20 last kilometers of that, of that is on this wide open gigantic suspension bridge. Right. Yeah. Um, and it could be so windy and so chaotic and people are so nervous there in those opening stages. And like you just said, everybody's fresh. And so everybody's like pushing hard and riding aggressively and all that sort of thing. Um, and everybody's still there, right. The field mm-hmm. hasn't thinned out any, um for those people leaving or, or crashing out or whatever it happens to be um and so i would love to see like some breakups happen and some echelons form and that sort of thing what i'm nervous about is that there'll be like crashes and ugliness and all sorts of things like we saw last year in the first few stages okay, yeah um, but we'll see justin smith what do you think yeah I, like that that's gonna be exciting but to your point like i would hate to see somebody um I hate seeing somebody crash out or, you know, lose time in such a, on a flat stage where it's just technical or there's something that um, uh, could potentially, you know, a a bridge with wind, but you know, that's part of the tour, you know? So I don't mind seeing them lose time because of the wind and because of the technicality. I just don't want to see them crash. (laughs) Yeah. I I hate seeing, I hate seeing somebody lose the tour because of crashing. Uh, Last year, I think my uh, guy uh, lost time because of crashing. Uh, Primoz Roglic essentially crashed out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He would have won if, uh, he was my pick. He would have. Oh won. snap! Yeah, Justin Dugan didn't appreciate you saying that. <laughs> yeah, he would have won if he uh, had, you know, kidnapped Pogachar and locked <laughs> him in a basement. Well, Primoz Roglic is an interesting guy, but he does have a hard time staying upright. I mean, mind you, he's been a cyclist literally since 2013. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about how old is Pogachar now, Justin? Is he? Is he? Is he 23 years old? Pogachar is. Yeah. Uh, I've got it here. His birthday is July 21st, 98. So, so yeah, so he'll be 24 during the tour. 
Um, and so, so 23, he currently is. Um, Primoz Roglic didn't start riding a bike until age 23. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is just kind of incredible. And, and I think um, it shows what a great athlete he is. But at the same time, I think that, that because of that, he does lack some of the skills that a lot of people develop when they're first learning how to ride a bike. Um, yeah. And so he tends to crash a little bit more than some other people crash in the peloton. Um, and yeah. last year, that was certainly the case. Um, happily, the epilogue for him last year was that he came back and was able to win the gold medal at the Olympic time trial, which I was really happy to see. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and a pretty great. dominating performance, as a matter of fact. Um, super strong there. Um, but um, he should have won. I'm telling you. <laughs> we'll see what happens this year. Let's hope he doesn't crash on, heavily on stage right. two here and see here. All right. Speaking of, uh, of, of places where people can definitely crash um, on stage five. They have 11 sectors of cobbles. Um, and so another, it's another sort of technically flat stage that, that um, is not necessarily favoring the sprinters. Um, but um, it has 11 sectors of cobbles, a total of just under 20 kilometers of cobbles. Um, five of them are actually sectors of cobbles that they've never used before, not even in Paris-Roubaix. Um, in you know, the so-called cobble classic, the hell of the north. Um, and so uh, I'll be interested to see that one. Um, what do you think about that, Justin Smith? Cobbles in in the tour. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I like that. That's exciting. I think that you know, like some of these tours, they can get kind of boring that first week or because you know, there's not a whole lot going on. There's mostly flat stages the way they typically set it up. So I actually enjoy seeing some of these cobble stages. Um, you know, I think about the one where uh, Froome pretty much crashed out. What year was that? Um, that was a um, long time ago. Yeah, it was like 2000. It was the year he didn't win. It was the break between his various wins there. Um, and yeah. so that would have been 2000. That, that was Cobbles, maybe, correct, right? No, it was earlier than that. It, that it, was the, it, it was on the cobbled stage, but he actually crashed before they got he, to the Cobbles. He crashed stage. before, yeah. Um, but, you know, a few years before that, that – or no, that was the same year where Nibali uh, rode extremely well over he, the cobbles. He, he, he and, won thanks to the and cobbles. Yeah. yeah, and won the tour. So, I, you know, that I, I like because that's – I mean, I know I contradict myself a little bit, but, <laughs> you know, I think that's exciting. It's exciting to watch. It's tactical. Um, you know, you have to be it's, – it's luck. It's skill and but it's exciting it makes it very exciting granted i would hate to see somebody like that year with Froome crash out before or somebody to lose major time because of you know yeah a flat tire but i like it justin dugan what do you think um i i'm looking forward to that stage a lot uh, as well i think that my one of my favorite guys in the tour, Matthew Vanderpool. I think it would be a, a beautiful stage for him to just put his stamp on the tour and say, Hey guys, I'm here. I can do whatever I want. This is my kind of stage and I'm going to destroy all of you or, um, <laughs> or Philippe Ogana. I mean, hmm. that guy's kind of like a utility knife of surprises. I mean, as aside from being the best time trialist, he can win lots of other type of races and you know he's a big strong guy put him on cobbles he could ride away from everybody and kind of set up enios to play some some of their other cards because they have an interesting team 
uh, for the tour. I know we're not into teams yet, but uh, I, I think Ghana has a good chance at that stage too. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think it kind of mixes things up. It, it, it helps to see, I hope it doesn't rain um, because that then at that point, I think it, it, it introduces a level of danger that, that in some ways kind of takes away from it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm surprised Justin Dugan, you didn't also mention like the gear um because like having to make the gear choices the technology choices that they have to make in order to ride on cobble stages that's different than the gear that you would choose for you know a mountain stage or just a regular flat road stage right yeah i mean you know to dive into gear i know um you know this is something michelle was interested in that these guys will all be riding probably different bikes Mm -hmm. this is not the same bike that they're going to be riding in the mountains it's not the same bike they're going to be riding on the flats it's not the same bike they're going to be riding on the time trial all these teams with, you know, bottomless budgets are going to mm-hmm. have, you know, a bike with, you know, uh, a wider frame to incorporate wider, you know, tires and wider wheels. You're going to see guys that have, um, you know, the little push button dongles to change gears on, you know, the crossbars of their handlebars. You know, there, there's all sorts of interesting tech that these guys are going to be using in order to go the fastest across the cobblestones. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost a completely different bike race Mm -hmm. than, you know, the normal type of racing. And they're going to throw every dollar that they can to have the fastest bike, uh, for that stage. And and, and to me, that makes it, that kind of makes it cooler too. Like when in, if they, if this was like 1975 and they were basically riding the same bike for every single stage, to me, that feels less cool. But yeah. to me, to me, the fact that they'll have a mountain bike, a reg- not a mountain bike, but a bike for the mountains, um, yeah. a bike for the cobbles, a bike for the regular road stages, a time trial bike, of course. Like to me, that makes it feel more like you're mastering various tools. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, sure. Um, and 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 it makes they, they always say that the the Tour de France is supposed to be a test of how well rounded a rider is, how many different things they can actually do. And this act that actually feels more like that. The fact they have to actually do these various things on these various bikes. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And so I actually kind of think that makes it cooler. Um, that you know it's not just a time trial. It's not just a gravel race. It's kind of like all these things sort of thrown together as one. Um, and I think that makes it pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, first big climbing test is two days later um, on Friday, July 8th, stage seven. Um, it's the super planche de belle field. Um, not just the planche de belle field, but the super planche de belle field. Um, uh, it finishes at the top of that. Um, there are seven kilometers at over 8%. There's a gravel section near the top that's 24%. <laughs> Um, and it's not a super long section. And from what I've heard, the gravel is not that much, that, that big a deal. It's the 24% that's actually a big deal, um, trying, trying to get over that. But, um, um, that should be sort of an interesting day. Um, the Planche de Belfield has a, a a special place in the heart of one Tade Pogachar, um, given that that's where he actually, um, won the tour. Uh, a couple of years ago uh, on the time trial. Uh, the final time trial actually finished by going up that same climb minus the uh, very steep part at the end. Uh, it was simply the planche de Belfield, not the super planche de Belfield. Um, and, uh, and so, and then he was able to take the, the lead away on that final time trial day uh, from Primoz Roglic, from, uh, from Justin's boy. 
Um, yeah. what, what, what do you think, Justin Dugan? Is he going to do something again? Is that where that where Tadej Pogacar is going to lay it down there? Um, I I wouldn't have a problem with him doing so, but I think it's still early in the race. I think he's going to be playing a very tactical game, even though he is he's a fun and exciting bike rider to watch. And this is where the casual fan and the new coming fan can enjoy the tour de France. Um, he is a guy that loves to race his bicycle. That's he's, true. He isn't like, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of Chris Froome, but I was a bigger fan of Bradley Wiggins. Chris Froome was like a robot where <laughs> he was boring. He was a guy that, you know, would get on his bike and oh, I have to ride this. I, you know, I have to ride at the end of the train. I have to do this. Da, 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 da. Teddy Pogachar, when he's riding his bike and you look at his face, he's looking around. He's, he's looking at the other guys like who's going, who's going to climb. Like, let's go fast guys. This is a bike race. <laughs> and he like last year, he won two stages in the mountains that he didn't need to win. He could have just sat on, gone up the climbs, you know, and, and, and still easily won, but he, he was racing three or four other guys and, and he wanted to beat them. Uh, and you know, that's, that's the best part about watching, you know, him and watching the tour is every time he throws his leg over a bike, he wants to win the race. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know if a 24% climb finish is right up his alley. If he's got GC aspirations, you know, it might be like a narrow Katana type of stage or, um, you know, one of the lesser GC type of guys who can, you know, get their stage win. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be, it, however it is, it's going to be exciting. I mean, because that's a very, very steep climb. And however the leaders are situated, it's going to break up. Like that will separate people, yeah. you know, however, however good their form is. Yeah, yeah. What do you think Justin Smith does, does... Tadej Pogacar or somebody else there on stage seven, take the yellow jersey and keep it. Um, I think, I think he goes for it there. Like it's the first big, I mean, not big climb, but the first major climb of the tour. And uh, you know, it's steep. I, I don't think it suits somebody like a Roglic. So, and and like Justin was saying, he likes to race his bike, and that's a perfect opportunity to race his bike. So if he doesn't win it, you know, I think he is the you know comes out on top of all the GC guys. I, I'm excited about that stage. I love when they go all the way to the top. That is a fun climb to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, not super long, but it is intense. Yeah, yeah. Watching the 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 camera shot of that climb is so unique because the camera is at the top and they're coming up over the top of the steep hill almost like a ship coming over the horizon because yeah. <laughs> it's so steep um and so so yeah i'm already kind of getting excited thinking about seeing that camera shot and seeing who it is um i agree with you i think i think he's going to go for it on that day i think he's going to try and lay down a marker um whether it's to actually take the yellow jersey or whether it's to catch up with the the people if he had some some bad fortune in that first week um or if it's to to um basically just put time on his other general classifications other yellow jersey rivals even if somebody else is still going to have the yellow jersey i i think that's going to be a day that he tries to win and, and tries to kind of put everybody on notice that he's in shape and he's ready to race um mm -hmm. it comes at the right time 
you know, it's a week into the tour. It's just before the big mountains. And like I said, I mean, I think that that's his, that's his playground. I and mean, that's, that, that's the place he likes. He has history with that spot. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him actually uh, throw down there. Um, very good. All right. So stage 10, four days later, they take a rest day. Four days later on Tuesday, July 12th is when they get up into the mountains, finishes on a 20K climb. Stage 10, 11, and 12 is where you go into the Alps. Um, and that is when they're in the mountains. Um, I'll mention stage 11, 10 and 11, and then we're going to talk about stage 12. <laughs> um, because you have stage 10, the first time you go into the mountain, finishes up a 20K climb, obviously very hard, blah, blah, blah. Stage 11 on Wednesday, July 13th, you have the first uh, uh, beyond category climbs, the steepest climbs, the highest climbs there. It comes right after the rest day. Um, on that day, they go over the Telegraph. They go over the Glibier, which is the, the highest mountain in the tour. They did this long ascent, and then they finish uh, going 11K up uh, 9% of the Col de Granon, which is only the second time they've actually used that climb. The first time was in 1986. But then on the next day, on Thursday, July 14th, my wedding anniversary and Bastille Day, which is always a day when the French fans and the French writers go insane, um, they go back over the Galivier. <laughs> so back over the highest point again from the other side. Um, and so they descended it the day before, and then on the 14th, they go back up that long descent. I can't help but think that like, while they're going down that descent on the 13th, they're going to be like, damn it, I can't believe you got to go back up all this Because <laughs> the descent is going to take like 40 minutes or something. Anyway, um, and then they go over the Croix de Fer, and then they finish up what is undoubtedly the most famous climb in, in Tour de France lore, uh, that being the Alpe d'Huez. Um, I'm looking forward to this stage. How about y'all? Justin Dugan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be a great stage. Um, I, I would put maybe Pogachar going for to exert his dominance on this stage. Maybe, you know, let the kids play on stage seven and go for this one. Um, or you, if you he, said yourself, he likes to race his bike. He'll go for he, them both, man. He does. Just because yeah, he, he, he does he, one doesn't mean he won't do the other. That's right. He, he could do them both. Um, I would, um, if he, you know, if he's already taken the Jersey on stage seven, this may be one that goes to, uh, some of the other guys like an Enric Moss. Um, I know Justin Schmidt is probably picking, um, his favorite guy, Thibaut Pino, Thibaut Pino. Test, uh, but he's probably already <laughs> going to be out of the race by then. Um, you know, and, you know, fishing on the coast or something because he doesn't like racing. Hanging out with his goats. Yeah. Hanging out with the goats, doing something, um, and letting everybody in France down. Uh, <laughs> oh man. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think, this, I think this is going to be a great stage. I think so too. Justin Smith, what do you think? Yeah, I'm excited. That's, that's, uh, the, the, 11 and 12 are the stages I've got as a, uh, as my cannot miss stages. And, uh, it's good that, uh, you know, we're going to have, um, Julian Alpha leap. Oh, wait, he's not going to be there <laughs> for the Alp stage, but is, it, is, is that a dig at Justin Dugan's favorite writer, Julian Alpha leap? <laughs> and his hey he he broke like half the bones in his body. Uh, <laughs> we can cut him a little slack since yeah, his sister arrived his bike again like last okay. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know, he can get a little slack. But no, those are that's gonna be a great set of stages. I think that's I'm really looking forward to that. That's gonna be fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, tons of climbing. 
it's been a few years since the Alp has been, the Altuez has been in the tour. So, um, I, I'm, when I saw they were uh, going to have that this year, I was pretty excited about that. So, absolutely. Um, I, I want to say the last, is the last time they had it when Garant Thomas won at the top of the Alp, uh, four years ago. Is that the last time they had it? Um, because I know yeah. that when he won, he was the first yellow Jersey to have won on top of the Alp in a while. And he was also the first person to win two mountain stages in a row in a while um, when he yeah. actually won on top of the album. Yeah, I think that that, that was the last time. They've actually had the Planche de Belfies more than the Alpe d'Huez, I believe, Over the recently. Over the past five or six years, yep. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, they, they love the Planche de Belfie, um, even though yeah. it's a fairly new one. They only used it for the first time a decade or so ago. Um, yeah. And so, whereas the Alpe d'Huez they've been using for ever <laughs> yeah. For, yeah forever <laughs> they've they, they music for a long while but yeah no i'm looking forward to the out the ways um all the i mean i can't the out the ways on bastille day it's gonna be a little bit insane yeah um just the french fans out there um i mean french riders always go out of their minds in order to try and win on bastille day or to do something memorable on bastille day thibaut pino who uh we talked about just a second ago he he is supposedly going for the polka dots he has said that he wants to win the polka dot jersey which i think is a good choice for him as a matter of fact um, um and so try and get in some breaks but i mean the first beyond category climbs are on stage 13 there um, or stage 11 there um, stage 12 back over the Glibier and finishing atop the Alpe d'Huez. He'd get a lot of points. He could probably lock up the mountains Jersey, the, the, the polka dotted Jersey, if he wanted to on those two days. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that would, I am sure that right now, wherever he is with his goats or with his teammates in the hotel in Denmark or wherever they happen to be right now, I guess he's probably in Denmark right now. Probably. Maybe he brought a few of his goats with him. Um, but uh, he, he is, he is dreaming of winning on top of the Alpe d'Huez and, and sewing up that, that polka dot Jersey. So um, he's going to have to fight Quintana. I'm sure. So he's going to have to fight all For like half the stages, <laughs> half the stage, then he'll just go away. Yeah. All right. So then we have a third rest day between stages 15 and 16. Um, stage 17 is going to be pretty cool. Um, it's going to be kind of explosive. It's only 130 K stage, but there are four really big climbs in the last 60 K. And so it's yeah. just like climb, 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 climb at the very end of it. Um, and if somebody kind of falls apart on one of those early climbs there, they could have a pretty hard time. Um, it finishes at the top of the Paragood, um, eight kilometers at 8% there. Um, and then on stage 18, you have a summit finish on Hotakam, where they've been a few times there in the Pyrenees over the course of the past several years here. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to us to say about these two stages. I mean, I definitely want to see them, but I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like the, the race is either going to be wrapped up by this point or people are going to be holding back for that final time trial that comes a couple of days later. I, I don't feel like there's going to be a whole lot of action in the Pyrenees. I mean, what do y'all think? Yeah, I, I can agree with you that the race may be wrapped up by then, but you know, like I said about Pogachar, he likes racing a bike. Those are two mountainous days towards the end of the race. If somebody's going to be on the front, I think it's going to be him and he's going to be showing that, Hey, this yellow Jersey looks great in the finisher's circle so i'm gonna go ahead and win this one and maybe i'll win tomorrow too fair point maybe maybe yeah Yeah, i i mean as i looked at it the more i thought about it i was like i was like i'm really excited up to about the alpe d'huez and then i feel like there's gonna be so many people holding back throughout the pyrenees getting ready for that stage 20 time trial i don't know i mean i I would like to not see that happen 
Um, but I think that the the GC riders are going to kind of, I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that. Um, I guess it depends on who's in the jersey and how good a time trial they are, right? Um, yeah. and so, so we'll see. Justin Smith, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's a pretty exciting two stages, I mean, uh, in the mountains. And, but I agree, like, you know, if it's, if it's close, I just, it, I feel like it would be, um, could be potentially and, uh, devastating if you go for it and you don't make any time up or, or put any time in, and then you've got the, 40 kilometer time trial in two days, but man, I tell you what, they, they did stack in a lot of the classic climbs Mm -hmm. on this tour and Hodakam is, is a classic. I mean that the day before it's just going to be pretty exciting stages to watch. For sure. Um, For sure. uh, For sure. And then of course you have the final time trial there stage 20. Um, Like Justin Smith just said, 40.7 kilometers. It's sort of rolling. It's not like pancake flat or anything, but it, there's no like really big climbs. There's not like a mountaintop finish or anything else like we were talking about that Tadej Pogacar did a couple of years ago on the Planche de Belfi. Um, and so it is kind of more of a, a straight up time trial there. Um, Justin, you said you think your boy Filippo Ghana is going to just run away with this one. Uh, yeah, this is his specialty. I mean, he's he's the best for a reason. This is what he does. Uh, he's got a sweet new bike and anytime you get a sweet new bike, you go faster. Um, <laughs> go fast. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be pushing, pushing the pace, pushing the tempo because they hopefully at this stage of the race, will have a GC contender um, with one of their several good riders. I, I would, you know, think that Garen Thomas might be the favorite to be their GC rider. And if he's in the car while Ghana's on the course, he gets to see every turn and, uh, you know, get, gets to see what it looks like going really fast and uh, might set him up for a successful day um, on the, on the TT. But I, I think all the GC contenders that actually have a chance at winning this race are great time trialists as well. So um, I, I think it'll be a, a nail biter and even some of the other guys that are going to make it fun to watch are going to be there too. So I think, mm-hmm. I think it's a cool stage. Justin Smith, what do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I, I picked, Ghana to win it but um I think last year I pretty much um I was off on uh Pogachar's uh time trialing skills and yeah, uh I, I think this I think year we all were actually yeah I think I think Except I'm a little bit more yeah he did say he was yeah <laughs> no but no that very first time trial last year Pogachar finished near the top and we were like wait yeah I can time trial too yeah that was a surprise yeah. to a lot of us including me including so, you. Mm-hmm. Slovenian so champ Yep. Yeah. Is he the Slovenian champ this year? I don't, be- I don't believe he is. I don't think he raced he, it. He, he did win the tour of Slovenia going away last week. And so he yeah, did. That's, nah, that's not a real race though. <laughs> <laughs> it was won by Primoz Roglic in 2014. It was one of his first really big wins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the tour of Slovenia. Okay. If you're going to try to get into cycling, don't watch the tour of Slovenia. <laughs> <laughs> we've already said what to do if you actually want to get into cycling but if you don't want to get into cycling don't start with the uh yeah don't start with the tour <laughs> of slovenia um but so primo's roglic though i mean i i i think about last year's olympic time trial 
um, that I think it is kind of a similar profile. It was sort of rolling yeah. in hilly and, and, and he just was brilliant. Um, and so I, I think that, that he, he will be super strong there. Um, yeah. Right. Fred, honestly, I mean, I know we just said this, I still can't believe that Tade Pogachar is a good time trials as those other guys. I mean, we just said that we, we made that mistake and we underestimated him last year and here I am doing it again. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not underestimating him this year. Yeah. 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 I'm I, gonna, I definitely wouldn't bet against him. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, I think, I think about like Geraint Thomas, I think about Primoz Roglic, I think about Filippo Ghana um, and Thomas and, and Roglic are, have the, the, the possibility of being up there on GC. Um, yeah. I, I just, and, I, yeah, we'll see if Tadej Pogacar has enough time on them that, that he's able to hold them off or whether he even needs it because he's just as good as they are. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just I can't I just can't wrap my mind around him being as good at the time trial as he probably is. Actually. Yeah, um, I think like, uh, you know, like when you compare it to last year, it's like it's a bit skewed because Roglic was clearly the favor going into it. And and then there really was kind of nobody after those two guys mm-hmm. that were really considered favorite so maybe you know he just looked fast i I dare say it's the same thing again this year which is a nice segue into talking about the riders and the favorites and all that sort of thing um justin dugan would say there's not even two there's just one (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i i think there's some chris room right Uh, there's some good riders (laughs) in the race i think it'll be exciting but i mean i i think it's a men among boys and you know it's a it's a tough thing to say because he's hardly even a man. He's right. I was going to say, even though he's the youngest of all, it's a boy among men. And uh, I mean, he's proven it the last two years. Right. Right. Um, All right. So let's talk about all those folks. You have UAE 10 Emirates, which by the way, I was thinking about that today. Their name is UAE team Emirates. That would be like having a team called USA team States. I don't totally get that team. I never thought about that until today. Anyway, um, his his team is UAE Team Emirates. Um, uh, Tadej Pogacar's team is. Um, Of course, like we said before, as we've been talking about all along, he's a two-time winner. He's never lost a Tour de France. Um, he won in his Tour de France debut at age 21. Uh, then he, he defended his, his championship at age 22. Um, if he wins again this year, he'll be the youngest person ever to win three tours to France. Well, duh, um, at age 23, 24 that he would be. Um, in fact, he's never lost any of those three jerseys. Um, both of the years he won the white jersey, the yellow jersey, and the polka dotted jersey. And so in two years, he has won six jerseys at the Tour de France. Um, he's won eight of the last nine stage races he started. Um, he's unbeaten in three stage races this year. Um, and importantly, um, people have always said that his team has been the big weakness. He has a pretty good team this year. Yeah. Um, he has uh, Mark Soler, as long as Mark Soler recognizes that Tadej Pogacar is the team leader. Um, he has uh, George Bennett. He has uh, Brandon McNulty. Um, he has lots of really solid folks on his team. The, yeah. the UAE Tim Emirates staff spent some money over the, uh, the, the winter and they, they built himself a pretty good team there. Um, what mm-hmm. do you think, Justin Dugan? Uh, yeah. I mean, they even, have, they have Mark Hershey who had a, yeah. a, a breakout stage. I think it was two years ago in the tour. He's a real strong rider, Raphael Micah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they did what everybody was critical about uh, team Enios um, as having a super team. And now there are, arguably three super teams in the tour and I agree you know this is the super team with the super leader so 
you know, good luck, everybody else. You know, now we have the weapons. Now we can protect him. And, you know, to say that that they're a super team and, you know, talk about Pogachar as being great. He didn't crash in the last two years. His team finished with all of their riders the last two years. Like, you know, those guys stayed in the bike race. I mean, Jumbo Visma had five guys last year. I mean, you know, they were falling apart. Um, you know, you, you got to be in a bike race to win a bike race. And those guys have been doing it well. So, you know, I, I like I like the team has been getting stronger and stronger. Um, and so is so is Pogachar. So you, you, you mentioned Mark Hershey. Uh, Mark Hershey actually initially wasn't on the tour squad. He was only added last week when Matteo Trentin actually tested positive for COVID at the Tour de Suisse. Um, or no, actually, I think that was like today or yesterday. It wasn't even at the Tour de Suisse. It was even more recent than that. Um, the sport director of Jumbo Visma has tested positive for COVID in the last couple of days. So he actually won't be starting the tour with Jumbo Visma. He's going to start virtually. Um, yeah, COVID is still a thing. Um, and so every single one of the riders that's going to be starting on Friday had to submit a negative test today. Um, they got rid of that rule that they said, if you have two people on your team or on your staff test positive and you're kicked out of the race, they got rid of that rule. Um, but you have to test negative multiple times throughout the tour in order to be able to, to stay on the tour. Um, so, and so, so George, one of the most recent, um, casualties to COVID, you know, not being able to go to the tour was uh, uh, Tim DeClerc of yeah. Um, yeah. Quick, Quick Step. Quick Step. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I saw that, I didn't see them announce who they were replacing him with. And I was thinking, boy, oh boy, would it be fun <laughs> if they slid Cavendish in? I was like, he certainly doesn't do the same job. No, not but, at all. <laughs> uh, it would be interesting if they were like, well, we've got a spot. Why not? Right. Um, you know, right. I, I called it last year when I was like, hey, I bet my I bet Cav might go to the tour and you guys called me crazy. And then Justin was like, well, he got there. Might as well, you know, win all the races that he's going to do. Um, <laughs> so th this may be my going out on a limb. I'd love him to get uh, that spot, that empty spot on the team. So did they announce who's replacing Tim DeClerc? I hadn't seen it today. Okay. So yeah, because because um, I, I, I I had seen that too that that he actually tested positive is not going to be starting either. But I didn't see who they actually replaced him with. Um, Cavendish is an alternate, so, so right. you never know. That would be a hell of a note. So we'll see. So we, mean, we we said that we yeah. wanted to release this as close to the tour as possible, so that we would know all the surprises. If I release this tomorrow and it gets announced tomorrow, that's definitely a surprise that that, that would be worth seeing for sure. I'm uh, calling anyway. it right now. Cavendish is in. You listen <laughs> there tomorrow. You there you go, Justin Smith. Nice. I like it. Or he's not. Or he's not. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I will. So so back to Tati Pogachar's team. I, I do think that um, the team is set up more than the other teams to where he's the one in charge. Yes, and I made a joke 100%. about Mark Soler, like not necessarily knowing who's in charge because Mark Soler has sort of a checkered past with that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But, but um, it is a team where I think there's no question that they're there for Tade Pogachar to support him and to make sure that he actually uh, gets the yellow Jersey and, and wins in Paris. That, that, that's clearly the goal. They don't have a sprinter. Um, they don't, they, they have certainly certain people like Mark Hershey that, that could win in breakaways and have won in breakaways at the tour. Um, but, but that's not going to be their role here. Um, and it, I, I think that's a real advantage over teams like Enios, which who we'll talk about next year, Enios, they have 
we don't even know who their team leader is. I mean, is it going to be Garen Thomas? Is it going to be Danny Martinez? Is it going to be Adam Yates? I mean, we don't know. And they or don't Tom, probably don't or totally Tom know Pitcock. either. So, or Tom Pitcock, you're totally right. Um, and so they just don't have that problem at UAE. Um, even at Jumbo Visma, um, Jonas Vengegaard um, finished second last year after Primoz Rogers clashed out. Um, yeah. And so it seems like he would be able to say, hey, I think y'all should support me instead of supporting Primus Roglic, even though Primus Roglic is certainly one of the favorites of the race. Um, there's none of that dissension or resentment or even a hint of any of that sort of thing, I don't think, over at UAE Tim Emirates. Everybody knows what they're there yeah. for, and that's Tadej Pogacar. Um, yeah. I think that's yeah. a real advantage. Uh, and, for sure. and Jumbo Visma is going to be fighting for the green jersey as well with uh, yeah. Van Art. I mean, mm -hmm. they're they're kind of, you know, reaching into several different bags and you know it's who's going to support who who's going to do what you know totally to make for interesting uh you know team characteristics you're exactly right well so let's talk about Jumbo Visma then um Primoz Roglic like we said he was second in 2020 he crashed out he's won the last three Vueltas um 2019 2020 and 2021 Vuelta España and so he can perform over the course of three weeks if he's able to stay upright um uh in time trials and, and mountain stages and all that sort of thing um you know I don't know why I'm hung up on this maybe it's because I read an article about it just over the course of the last couple of days but he became a cyclist in 2013 not a pro cyclist, but a cyclist. Mm. Like he first started riding a bike in 2013 and he won the Vuelta a España in 2019, six years later. That's, <laughs> that's just crazy. That's insane. Um, but anyway, um, he won Perry Nice this year. He won the Criterium du Dauphiné this year. And so he's been having a good year. Interestingly enough, yeah. he and, and Tadej Pogacar haven't really faced off this year. Um, they haven't really been in a whole lot of the same races this year, so we don't know uh, how it's going to go. Uh, Jonas Vengegaard, who's actually a Dane and it's starting in his home country, um, uh, was second last year. He was the only person that really pushed Pogachar at all. Um, second Torino Adrico this year behind Pogachar. Um, and so the two of them, if they can work together, might be a really potent one-two punch. Um, yeah, but uh, but hopefully they, they'll be able to settle amongst themselves who the actual team leader is. Um, Justin Smith, what do you think? Yeah, I uh, I mean, when you look at the the team that has it, the advantage would be UAE and, uh, you know, Rogue, you know, then you run into, like you're saying, with with uh, Roglic and Vindegaard and uh, Van Aert. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned just, Wout Van Aert, who's, who's going to be going for the green jersey probably. So. Yeah, so it just makes it messy. And typically when you see a team that's got multiple leaders, it – it doesn't end well. I mean, like you can look at um, uh, Ineos. Yeah, Movie Star, uh, Ineos the last couple of years where they brought like multiple guys that can win the tour. And, and you, can, you, yeah, can look you know, at, it's, you can look at Astana when they brought Lance Armstrong and Albert Contador on the same team. Right. Yeah. I, it's just, yeah, it's just, I mean, they you know, like having a clear leader is is a huge benefit to Pogachar versus these other teams that it's what I would assume would be, let's see what happens out on the road. Yeah. And, and, in, and, and you mentioned like uh, Justin Dugan made a joke a little while ago about how, how robotic Chris Froome could be. And that's certainly true, but there was never any doubt that Chris Froome was the leader. Right. 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 Yeah. 100%. Um, 
And so, and so kind of people got behind him um, and, and he delivered, <laughs> you yeah. know, dudes yeah. won four tours. Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, but, but Enios kind of has had this issue over the course of the past few years and it's of their own making, frankly, um, of not exactly knowing who the leader is. So they won the tour in 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 um, with Froome, with Thomas and with Bernal. Um, and this year they have Thomas back again. He won the tour to Swiss only a couple of weeks ago. He won the tour in 2018. He's looked pretty good this year. You That's not a real race. So, so you don't think, you, you, uh, you don't think the tour to Swiss is a real race this year. Not really. Uh, it definitely got like half the field didn't finish because so many people ended up testing positive for COVID there yeah. um, and crashing out and stuff. Um, for sure. Um, he won of, by default, right? So he kind of did, but, <laughs> but you know, a win's a win if people are testing positive. True. You know, that I mean, is true. Um, He's going to win the tour. I mean, Ale- <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Vlasov was actually in the lead at, uh, at, won the stage, took the lead at the Tour de Suisse, tested positive that night and had to go home. Mm-hmm. Never even got to like wear the leader's jersey in the Tour de Suisse, um, which is just insane. But we'll talk about Alexander Vlasov. Yeah. Um, Adam Yates was one of the people who got sent home with COVID from the Tour de Swift <laughs> or Tour de Swiss. Um, yeah, he, uh, uh, might be one of their, their team leaders. Um, Danny Martinez got podium in Pyrenees this year, um, won the tour of the Basque country, finished eighth at the Tour de Swift while helping Thomas. He was fifth last year at the zero while helping Egan Bernal. I don't know about his time trialing. I feel like he's actually their best bet. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think he's probably the best non-time trial rider on the team uh i think that is a weakness against some of the better time trialists um but yeah he's he's fantastic he's going to be a fireworks show um if he gets up the road i'd love uh, to see that he'll he'll put some guys on the ropes definitely he can ride a bike yeah you have you have your boy tom pidcock who won the mountain bike gold medal last year (laughs) in the olympic games um um uh, that's a real race (laughs) <laughs> that's not a real race either <laughs> um, of course there's no egan bernal since he got so heavily injured in a crash earlier this year no richard carapaz he read he wrote the zero um but i mean so many leaders on that team <laughs> yeah it's least, crazy. I mean, they've got a whole new attitude i mean they and they've been winning bike races kind of with this you know avant-garde style you know we're gonna put a bunch of guys in the race maybe we'll win. You know, they won, you know, they, they've won some bike races. I, I, I wouldn't yeah, put it past them to be, to be competitive this, in this race. Um, who I, works for who? Yeah. And that's the question, right? <laughs> I mean, like you I got mean, four yeah. leaders and then I, I think that this team, two helpers. Is, no, I think this team better than any other team knows the, you, you do your job. I mean, they have proven it since 2012 that, you know, True you're here to work. Um, and if somebody is up there on GC, you're going to work for them until they're not. And, you know, then maybe it rolls down. You know, if Danny Martinez is fifth and Garen Thomas is third, Danny Martinez is going to be pulling him up every mountain, um, you know, because that's what you're paid to do. And those guys get paid well. I mean, they're not, they're not looking for a contract. They're, they're getting the maximum contracts that they can probably get, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think for whatever reason, whether it's money or team culture or whatever, um, people on uh, Enios, once they work out who's in charge, tend to fall in line. Yeah. Um, like when when Garrett Thomas took the lead in 2018, Chris Froome was on that team. 
And Chris Froome fell mm-hmm. in line and, and worked to help out and didn't try and snatch the jersey away from Garon Thomas, even though Chris Froome was probably fit enough to be able to win that year himself. Um, I, I agree. That's kind of, that's impressive. Um, they don't have Michael Kwiatkowski at the tour with them this year. He's not on their tour team for the first time since 2013. He's not going to be riding the tour. He is one of my favorite riders. Yeah. Um, uh, former world yeah. champion, Polish rider. Um, and I think he is the best teammate in the entire pro peloton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I think that guy will work for anybody. And I think he is such a selfless teammate. And that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. And so maybe without him there, the selflessness that he tends to inspire in others won't be there. And it'll just be a complete uh, zoo. I don't know. But uh, They got Richie Port this year. Uh, yeah. Do they have Richie Port? Is he on their tour team? Uh, he is not. No, I don't no. think he is. Too bad. So, your boy, Richie Port. All your favorites here, Justin Smith. None of them are actually no. in the tour squads. <laughs> they're all leaving. No, it's because they're all like 40 years old now. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> no, hey, any, that's not that old. <laughs> so, Enios's road captain, Luke Rowe, I, mm-hmm. I would agree that uh, Kwiatkowski is probably one of the best you know, teammates to have on, on any cycling team. But I think Luke Rowe is the best road captain. Yeah. He, he runs that team when they're on the roads mm-hmm. and uh, you yeah. know, he he's been in almost all of those wins at the tour de France. Uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal teammate, a phenomenal rider. And, you know, if there's any question about who the leader is, he'll tell you and he'll tell you your job and your role that day. Right on. Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We've been talking for a while about stages and different riders. I'm going to run through a whole bunch of riders here real quick. Um, and uh, and y'all stop me when there's one that you actually want to talk about a little bit more. So I mentioned Alexander Vlasov from Bora Hemsgrohe. He had, uh, he's had two stage races wins this year, Tour of Valencia and Tour de Romandy. Recently had COVID. Like I said, he won the stage of the Tour de Suisse, went into the lead, tested positive for COVID that night and had to go home. Um, and so don't really know how sick he was um, or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but he certainly could be a factor in the race. Uh, you had Ben O'Connor from AG2R, who was fourth last year. You have Enric Mass or Enric Mass from Movistar, who I don't expect will do anything simply because he's on Movistar. Um, <laughs> you have Jack Haig and Damiano Caruso. Damiano Caruso, who I like, by the way, finished second at the Giro last year. Both of them are from Brain Victorious. Um, Brain Victorious. If who, they're able to stay in the race, right? Who is who is uh, had multiple hotel rooms raided by European police over the course of the last couple of days, evidently looking for drugs. Um, their uh, their director sportif said, "quote We're sleeping like babies and working like horses. We're showing everything through our results, and we are 100% transparent. Someone who is interested to see how we are working can join our team for a period of time, and maybe these people will understand the effort that staff and writer are putting into the jobs to achieve their results." Unquote. So. Pretty, uh, pretty upset about you're, the, you're not the doing your job unless you get raided by the police. So. Evidently not, right? Um, and so, but there's always been sort of whispers about Bahrain victorious and whether they are in fact uh, bending the doping rules here. Um, Nairo Quintana um, from Arkea Samsic. Um, Who? Th- so, yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> he's finished on the podium three times uh, in the Tour de France. He won the Giro way back in 2014. I was looking back at it. His first podium in the Tour de France was in 2013. 
Wow. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Um, and so, yeah, nine years ago it was. Um, Vicky's so, 50 now. So it feels like it, man. Um, Gil Martin from, from Cofidis, Rigoberto Oran from EF Education Easy Post, three-time Grand Tour runner-up, Rigoberto Oran is. Um, Alessi Lucinko, or Lucinko from, from Astana. Um, over at Israel Premier Tech, you have Chris Froome. You have to mention him, right? He's won the Tour de France four times. Yep. He's won yeah. seven Grand Tours. He's won all three Grand Tours. He is it's time for his comeback. I would love to see it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, and I hate that actually. So, so Chris Froome was it two years ago, three years ago? Um, had I think that it's super, three years. That three, super yeah. heavy crash. Um, super heavy crash into um, a brick wall. Yeah. yeah, compound fracture of his femur, um, and yeah. and has has not even been close to being the same since then. No. Um, no. And I hate that. Um, I mean, we talked before about how much we hate it that, that races end up getting shaped by crashes. Literally his whole career has been shaped by that crash. Um, yeah. The trajectory of his career has, but um, he's bringing some attention over there to Israel premier tech, which is good. They also have Mike Woods. They have Jacob Fuglesong as well. Um, who's also a great rider um, who was leading the tour de Swiss until that final time trial when Garrett Thomas beat him and, uh, and took the title for himself there. Um, you have David Godot, who is going to be leading Groupama FDJ. But the big story on Groupama FDJ, Justin Smith, is your boy T. Lopino. <laughs> he's just saying he's throwing everybody off. Oh, okay. He's going to go for it. He, he's just saying that he's just, he's just trying, he's going to catch everybody sleeping. Yeah. There you yeah. go. All right. You know, with five go. summit finishes, he doesn't have to go downhill as much. So. <laughs> Or is we'll it see. six summit finishes? So, so it's five. Uh, five. It's five. five. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Very good. Um, all right. Um, I remember two years ago when we were going through all these people, um, Justin Dugan, you almost kind of like, like offhandedly mentioned Tati Pogachar. Um, and I remember at the time I was like, Tati Pogachar, you're going dark horse now. I've used the phrase <laughs> dark horse. And you were like, no, that guy is good. And yeah, he he won the tour of California. Um, I think the year the year that I mentioned him, and mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know how to say his name. I watched the race. He's good. Like, yeah. remember that wasn't name. a real race, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're gonna title the podcast. That wasn't a real race. There's only one real race. It's the Tour de France. Um, There's a couple more, but evidently it was a real race because Tadej Pogacar won it. He moved onto Justin Dugan's radar. Justin Dugan That's called true. him out on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast, and he caught Primoz Roglic sleeping on stage 20 of the 2020 Tour de France and uh, on the Place de Belleville and, and went on to the win. So Yeah, I had to look him up when he mentioned it that year. <laughs> I didn't even know who I, it was. I barely knew. Um, I just sort of heard his name mentioned in passing a couple of times. All right. So given <laughs> that Justin Dugan, who's the dark horse? Um, who the dark horse for this year. I, I don't think there's going to be a dark horse in the overalls. Okay. I, I you know, I just, I think it's going to be a little bit too. I, I think it, the stars are already written in, mm -hmm. in my book. Right who's your dark horse justin smith uh chris Froome. yes I, but uh, tr but honestly i don't even like you know as you're going through all the names i'm just i just don't think there's any of those guys that are going to be at the level of you know uh, uh pogachar roglich and uh Vindigard. so yeah, i agree it's I agree. hard to 
it's hard to say anybody's, you know, unless something catastrophic happens. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah how about how about Tom Pitcock? I'll go. Tom Pitcock is right. my dark horse because right. um, he's 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 a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I like Tom Pitcock. I think he's a good guy. Um, and he's a fast runner too. So I think he's going to have a, a, a future in triathlon at some point here, Justin Dugan. He might be joining you at the Gulf Coast 70.3. All right. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He might get a faster bike split than you, but I think you can probably outswim him. Well, the swim was canceled <laughs> this year. So yeah, it, been, it was my perfect, my perfect triathlon. There you go. Right on. Um, yeah. I think Danny Martinez is my, is my dark horse. Um, um, and as soon as I say that I've totally jinxed him, so I probably shouldn't have said anything, but, um, but, but I would, I would like to say, that. and, and honestly, as, as much as I like making fun of Justin Smith about Tio Pino, I actually really would like to see Tio Pino do something exciting this year. Um, he's a fun, passionate guy and cycling French cycling fans love him. I would like to see him do something fun. Finish he rides with heart when he, so for sure, for sure. When he's on, he, he's, uh, it's sure. exciting to watch him, but yeah. And with Julian Alaphilippe injured, thanks to Liege Best Only Age, that big crash there. Um, That's a real race. So, so that is a real race. We're, we're definitely going to be low on panache this year uh, without Julian yeah. Alaphilippe, since since he has about as much style as the rest of the peloton combined. Um, and so, uh, the more opportunities for style we can have, the better. Let's talk about some quick sprinters, some green jersey winners. Uh, we mentioned Walt Van Art already. Uh, Walt Van Art, I would say, is probably the, the the favorite for the green jersey if they let him go for it. Um, yeah. So there's only eight people yeah. for team, and there's two leaders on that team already. Um, and so if they let him off the hook in, in the mountains and let him actually try and gather some points, particularly on some of these rolling stages um, where people like Peter Sagan used to win points um, right. so much more often, um, then I think he's the definite favorite. But the team dynamics are really going to determine that. Yeah. Um, I think I had him like uh, last year or the year before and, you know, I just, it worked out because obviously he was working for uh Roblich, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, he won, he won three stages last year. He won a mountain stage last year. He yeah. won, he won a time trial last year and he won the final sprint of the shops Day last year. That is true. Yeah. That, yeah. that is something that everybody at the time talked about how brilliant and fantastic and, 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 uh unprecedented it was and just saying it again right now a year later i'm reminded of how remarkable that was <laughs> yeah that's you know? impressive for sure for sure um but let's talk about some sprinters real quick uh, i think the best sprinter there is from quick step fabio Jakobsen. 10 wins this year has the best lead out train even without tim DeClerc losing the tractor there it definitely hurts but still has michael morkoff who is considered to be one of if not the best lead out man uh there in the biz um and quick step is putting their eggs in that basket unless of course they make some surprise announcement tomorrow that they're going to put cavendish on the team after all um they're going to be all in for fabio jacobson um is he the best sprinter there you think justin dugan uh i think he is arguably the best sprinter there um there are some other good ones i think i mean caleb ewan is always Mm -hmm. tough to beat i'm not a huge fan of his but he's always there and when he's not crashing into somebody he's you know yep, he's sometimes in front um mm-hmm. and also i think sam bennett uh being back in the tour this year is going to try and you know reestablish a name for himself two years ago he took the green jersey and uh last year he kind of got bumped out of the way for cavendish uh new team and hopefully a new attitude uh for he him. got bumped out of the way again oh is he gone He's not going to be starting this year. Yeah. Oh. Which, which I, I actually triple check that. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at lists right now and so, I guess they need so, to be updated. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so Danny Van Poppel, he's on Boar Hands growing out. Ooh. And Danny Van Poppel's had a better year than he has. And so the uh, Boar Hands grower is going to be putting their eggs in the Danny Van Poppel basket instead. Wow. Poor Stan um, Bennett. That really surprised mm. me. Yeah. Dude won the green jersey two years ago. It was only him and Tadej Pogacar on the, on the podium two years ago. And he's not back this year. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry to see. Um, I agree with Caleb Ewan. Michael Matthews won the green jersey in 2017. Um, team's probably going to back Dylan Grotevagen uh, on the sprints instead from Bike Exchange. Um, Got to mention Peter Sagan from Direct Energies won the green jersey seven times, probably should have won it eight times, um, but he, of right. course, was disqualified that one year that, uh, that Michael Matthews won instead. 12-time stage winner. Best days are probably behind him. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he, he's actually riding for a smaller team now for direct energies. I would like to see him get a win for that team just because it's kind of fun to see the smaller teams win from time to time. And um, he brought most of his previous team with him. So, yeah. you know, they, they have a good chance. And he's been riding on form lately, too. Right on. Very good. Very good. Um, Jasper Philipson from Alpeson de Kunick. Um, Mads Peterson from Trek Segafredo, John Dagenkov, Alexander from BSM, Alexander Kristoff from Intermarche, Wante Gobert, um, other folks to kind of keep in mind when it comes to sprints and all that sort of thing. Wout Van Aert, um, uh, Fabio Jakobsen, definitely the favorites, unless, of course, they put Mr. Cavendish in tomorrow. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. We've hardly talked about Matthew Vanderpool. Um, we talked about when we talked about stage five, maybe we just need to mention him here. This is all we just need to say is like, Hey, don't forget about Matthew Vanderpool, who yep. is one of, if not the best cyclist in the world right now. Um, I would say one of the best three along with Walt Van Art and, and Tadej Pogacar. Um, he's going to be there. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, going to make things exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's, he's obviously somebody you can never count out. Uh, for sure. A um, couple other different things. Um, seven different people from the United States. Most of the United States has had since 2014. Uh, Sepp Kuss is going to be back on Yumbo Visma. Brandon McNulty, we already mentioned, is going to be on UAE Team Emirates. Um, you have uh, Nielsen Palace, who is going to be on EF Education. Um, and then you have Matteo Jorgensen from Movistar, Kevin Van Mark from DSM, Quinn Simmons from Czech Segabrego, and Joe Dombrowski from Astana. Um, all of those, those last four guys, it's all their first tour. Um, Joe Dombrowski cool. is actually the oldest of that group at age 31. Um, and I was surprised to see this is actually his first tour. He was such a oh, promising wow. rider a decade ago, and it's really struggled uh, moving up to the pro ranks here. But uh, every single one of them was born in 1990 or later, by the way. Um, <laughs> I figured that you, both of you would appreciate that. <laughs> I would have thought Joe Dombrowski was older than that. That's so actually pretty crazy. He, he's the oldest of that group. Um, but, but yeah, he was born in 1990 or 1991 for sure. Um, and so look forward to seeing how those U S riders do, um, Sepp Kuss, I think is probably the most talented of that group. Um, um Definitely. but, um, but he is undoubtedly going to be playing a super important team role for Primoz Rovic and Jonas Vingegaard there on Jumbo Visma. Um, and also just want to mention finally Lachlan Morton, who we talked about so much last year. Uh, you remember last year he did the alt tour for EF Education First, uh, Easy Post. Uh, he rode the entire tour on his own, including all of the transfers, um, and he ended up finishing before the, the, the Peloton did. He ended up getting there before they did. Um, and EF Education First said that their Twitter account got more attention for his ride than it did for the rest of the team's ride during the actual tour. 
Uh, That's not shocking. So, so speaking <laughs> of, it's not a real race, Justin Smith. <laughs> um, he does this alt tour and, uh, and it actually gets more attention. Um, he's not doing it again this year. He did say he was going to be doing something else big, but um, he said that back in February and we haven't really heard what that is. Um, um, but he's always kind of fun to watch. He has two more years on his contract, the EF education first. And so we'll see what they continue to let him do in his little dragon jersey. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Um, all right, gentlemen, we've been talking for an hour and a half. We got to wrap it up here. I know. Um, Michelle, we haven't asked one of her questions in a while. She said, is it, is, is it difficult to watch the tour as it is to watch professional running? I hope not. Tell us where to watch the tour. If we don't all want to hack a European IP address like George does. I don't know what she means by that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm going to be watching it on Peacock. Um, Last year, Peacock actually had two separate broadcasts. They had an ad-free broadcast, and then they had sort of the flashy broadcast. Um, and the ad-free one was the one that I watched. And it had these two kind of very straightforward commentators and didn't take any commercials. And then you oh, wow. had um, the one with Phil Liggett and Bob Roll that took all these commercials and had all these features oh. and did all these. And, and I, didn't, I just didn't watch that one. Um, I just watched the straightforward coverage there. And so I'm sure that's what I'm going to be doing here um, starting on Friday as well uh, this year. Um, they also have it on Discovery+. Plus. Um, you can always find different things on cyclingfans.com. Uh, I'm going to be listening to, to different podcasts throughout, be it the Cycling Tips podcast or the Cycling Podcast, even though uh, they lost Richard Moore this year. Um, um, and so uh, reading in Cycling News, reading in Velo News for sure. Um, how are you going to watch, Justin Dugan? Uh, I watch on YouTube TV. It's on NBC Sports. And I get, um, I get the quick coverage and the full coverage so I can opt, you know, however much time I have during the day however much I want to fast forward. Um, I can watch the whole stage or the abbreviated stage, but I do get a lot of Phil Liggett and Bob Roll. Um, but for the new cyclist, you get to learn a lot of history about every chateau that they go by, uh, every area in France. They do make it pretty majestic to watch uh, and learn about the French countryside. So um, you get a little bit more than just the cycling when those guys are on. For sure, for sure. Justin, yeah. how are you going to watch? Um, I am going to record NBCSN or whatever it is. And uh, that's why you, you cannot spoil stages ahead of time for me. <laughs> and then I'll fast forward through all the Phil Liggett and Bob Roll stuff that I don't want to see. Right. There you go. So we're, we're, we're going to give you like 12 hours, Justin Smith. Yeah, I think that's so, fair. That's, so, so that's it, can't, fair. it can't be like that's three fair. days later. It can't be like July 17th. And you can't let us talk about <laughs> on Bastille Day on Help the West, dude. So, so we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll give you like 12 hours. That's fair. Uh, I'm uh, gonna, that's I'm not, 12 hours is fair. I'm not going to do what some people do and like on the, like immediately after finish, be like, what a tour stage. Can you believe the Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, uh, but, 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 uh, much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Um, all right. Last couple of things we'll say. Michelle asks, let's ask her last couple of questions. She says, like in track and field, some people wear unnecessary items like sprinters wearing arm sleeves or calf sleeves. Sometimes it's debatable whether performance enhancing or simply style and sometimes just give a sponsor more exposure. Does cycling have these extras? And if so, what should we look for on, or on riders over the course of the next few weeks? Well, there, there's actually something new that'll be happening in the tour this year that hasn't happened before uh, with riders that have outside sponsors will be allowed to wear their sponsored helmets. Hmm. Uh, so you'll see Wout Van Art wearing a Red Bull helmet as right. well as Tom Pitcock, which makes Tom Pitcock me... sponsored by Red Bull too. 
Yes. Uh, so you got to wonder, maybe those guys will be working together. That would be fun. Um, and I had heard that um, Peter Sagan's whole team might be working a deal with them too, but I don't think that that's been worked out yet. Um, but you will see those special helmets on a couple of the guys. Um, and if Peter Sagan does win a stage, you will see a gigantic pair of ski goggles wrapped around his neck uh, for the uh, eyeglass brand 100% that he either owns or gets paid a um, mountain of money from to wear them on the podium. But yeah, he, he will have big um, ski goggles on, um, you know, to, to rep that brand. Very good. Um, I'll mention that, that we already talked about EF Education First, Easy Posts crazy jerseys um Jumbo Visma actually has special jerseys this time around as well um yeah this is the they, second worst jersey in the tour. <laughs> Eurosport called it a hideous mess of a jersey apparently inspired by Dutch masters Rembrandt Van Gogh and Vermeer um and so it's kind of has this sort of starry night looking swirly real tree George you're looking yeah. for real tree camo <laughs> they sell it at Walmart okay that, good to know <laughs> that is the jersey that they're going to be wearing very good very good um and then of course you'll have lots of people wearing uh national champions jerseys um and, and that sort of thing um I was reminded of of um of when, when, when Michelle asked the question do people wear like superfluous stuff the the answer to that question is no no, um, it's not allowed. People, yeah, people will wear fancy things, but but for one thing, the USC, UCI really cramps down on that. Um, uh, they even regulate sock height, um, right. such that, okay. that that you can't actually wear a pair of socks that's too long. Um, you can't wear a pair of shoes that doesn't meet certain criteria, things like that. Um, and in mm -hmm. addition, um, riders don't want to be taking that stuff up the mountain. They don't yeah. want to be yeah. dealing with that extra weight or that or, or that extra stuff. Um, uh, those sorts of things that, that, that just cyclists just don't like having on their bodies for four or five, six hours at a time when they're in a bike race. Um, you will see a lot of national champions jerseys. Um, you might see Mark Cavendish's British national champions jersey since he won the British national championship just last week. Um, mm -hmm. If they decide to put him in there next week, we'll see. Um, so, so George, like Michelle is asking, like um, in let's say running, like what's her name? Shikari Richardson wore mm -hmm. yeah. uh, a red net. Yeah. Um, in one of her races, there right. no, no, Michelle, there will not be any riders wearing a big net over right. their uh, over their kit. That is right. not not aerodynamic. It is not UCI legal. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, she also asks, is there like a carbon plated shoe for cycling? Um, I imagine some type of upgrade just about every piece of bicycle, but maybe the sport has that one thing that's changing times, et cetera, the way the carbon plated shoe has for running road and track it, see if that happens on trails. Um, um, I was trying to think about what this might possibly be because there is so much more technology in cycling than there is in running. I don't know. Is, is, is there that one piece of equipment that, that is so much better than everybody else's piece of equipment that the, the rider has a head and his shoulders 4% advantage more than everybody else? Justin Dugan, what do you think? It's, it's the 3D printed uh, cockpits on the time trial bikes. I, um, I, I would bet that's it. I mean, you look at Enios, those guys have $10,000 handlebars. Like good, good luck. Every other team, you can't like, they're not doing that. So yeah. that's, that's the 4%. If you're custom making, you know, the handlebars and, you know, custom making equipment per the specs of your riders, that's what's making the difference. 
Yeah. You yeah. remember, you remember last year, it was like, I think it was stage five was the first time trial and Matthew Vanderpool was wearing the yellow Jersey. Um, and he hadn't really prepared for a time trial. He didn't really have a time trial bike. Um, and his team wanted to support him. And he said, what does Enios have? Get me what they got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they had a guy drive like 2000 kilometers to get yeah. him a wheel. Yeah. yeah, like the guy drove all night to to bring him a wheel. Exactly, exactly. And it worked. He kept the jersey through the time trial. Yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, last one. And and this will be our, our last Michelle question here. And it's 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 not a, a, a good one. Um, she says, how do the Justins <laughs> feel about my favorite sunglasses? Do they wear them when they ride? I'm looking for the best brand, model name, and colorways here. Um, Michelle, for reasons unknown tends to like those massive ski goggle style glasses that you see cyclists wearing. Um, and it actually <laughs> she, moved she out in. into the mainstream a little bit as well. You can see people wearing them on cruise ships and that sort of thing now too. Um, uh, and I think they look absolutely ridiculous. In fact, I think it's conspiracy by the fashion industry just to see how much we as consumers will take. Um, she likes them. I just can't wrap my mind around just how hideous these glasses are. Justin Dugan, do you like them? Um, all right. So they have their place. Um, and, but I, I wore Oakley M frames when they came out in the nineties and I used to mountain bike and they were cool then, then they went away. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've got some big glasses in my, in my kit now from, uh, from Roka. Roka makes a great set of glasses. Um, you know, they're, they're what I wear most of the time when I'm riding my bike or when I'm running. Um, and they're kind of big. <laughs> you know, I, I don't wear them when I'm going out. I have casual sunglasses. And this go. is this is a pro tip for everyone listening. You don't need to wear your racing sunglasses everywhere. Nice. Wear them racing. You look Agreed. stupid. Agreed. Get a pair of like Ray-Bans or something normal. Um, Agreed. Agreed. So, so yeah, uh, Michelle, if you want to wear big glasses, rock them. They're awesome. I know... Uh, that that's how she likes to hide and not talk to anybody. So the bigger the glasses, the better, um, you know, oh, okay. that's perfect. There you go. Um, that... I, I've just shared a screen with Justin and Justin <laughs> that shows Camille Perrin who finished eighth in Western States and finally broke through at Western States this past weekend, um, wearing a pair of the Gooder big old shield glasses. She's not, Michelle's not really wearing those. Is Michelle she? thinks those are cool. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we got our answer from Justin Smith, and it sounds like he feels the same way I do about that. Very good. Yeah, no. Right. Final thoughts, final predictions. Justin Dugan, what you got? Um, obviously, I'm predicting Tade Pogachar to win. Um, I'd like to see some fun, um, some fun racing from Team Enios. I think Jumbo Visma has a few too many um a few too many aspirations for the tour this year that, you know, stick to your guns, guys, support your leader, you know, do that race. Um, but I think they're a strong team. So I think they're going to make things exciting. Um, other than that, I'd like to see the other good bike racers race their bikes. Well, I mean that the, the tour de France is for watching the best guys. Um, and I think we're going to get that. The, the teams look pretty strong. Um, I think most of the superstars are here and, and I think that we're going to see a good bike race. Right on. Yeah. Final yeah. thoughts, final predictions, Justin Smith. Uh, this year, I'm I am going to go with the person I have not picked the last two years. So I'm going to go Pogachar. Watch him now, not win the tour. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with a, with a Roglic for second. And I am going to just go crazy here. And uh, I'm going to pick an Ineos rider. And this might be insane. It is insane. But I'm going to go Garrett Thomas All right. for third. He's a good rider. You know, he's he's a good rider. He um he's been there before. Uh, clearly, he's in shape. So that that's my uh, that's my that's my podium. Um, but I just want to see a good race. I want to I want to see you know some exciting mountain stages. Uh, so I, I want to see just some fun racing. That's that's what I'm excited to, and I think this should be a a pretty good tour for that. Very good. Very good. I, I think that between having the team all on his side and of course him being such a great racer, um, I think that Tadej Pogacar is the obvious favorite. And I think he's probably going to win. What I'm hoping is that he hasn't spent enough time on his time trial bike this year. And, and he's going to get wiped out in that opening time trial. Um, and that's going to inspire him to be more aggressive in the mountains, particularly in the Pyrenees in those last few mountains, knowing that that final 40 K time trial is looming. So he can try and bit the biggest gap he possibly can and force Primoz Roglic and Garrett Thomas to try and chase him on that last day. So, mm, yep. so we will see, we will see, um, gentlemen, it was fun as always. Thanks for being with me for the third annual most pleasant exhaustion cycling podcast with Justin and Justin. Thanks, George. Thank you, George. Thanks, Justin. See you next year. All right. Thanks again for listening to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast on Twitter at pleasant podcast or on Instagram. Most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.